welcome to the VitaFoods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the latest science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop and progress. Today's host is Carla Hill, Contributing Editor. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another VitaFoods Insights podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Raina Bryan. Raina is the president of RCD Packaging Innovation, an innovation firm that works with select brands and manufacturers to bring forward new sustainable packaging solutions. RCD specializes in product development and supply chain management, and they're doing great work facilitating collaborative innovation in this ever important space. Raina, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Carla. It's nice to be here. My pleasure. Great to have you with us. So we've got lots of exciting things to cover today, and I'm really looking forward to digging deeper into the importance of sustainable packaging in the nutraceutical and food sector. And I know we're going to hear about how brands can meet the growing demands of the industry and of consumers to package their products more sustainably. But first, however, could you tell us a bit more in your own words, a bit about you, your background and how you got to the place in your career that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been really passionate about waste management and trying to solve the challenges of plastic waste and pollution for as long as I can remember, really. It's been a couple of decades. And I started my career in sustainable packaging about 10 years ago, really looking at, you know, how can we change the way that we're making flexible films Can we make them out of materials that are designed to go away, designed to actually biodegrade in a safe manner? So that's how I started my career. But even before that, as a young girl, I was really just incredibly impacted by seeing, you know, these overfilling trash cans. And I saw that in my local neighborhood. And I just thought in my mind, oh, my God, if I'm seeing this in in my neighborhood and it's in maybe in that neighborhood over there and it's globally what's going on with the way that we are thinking about materials and we are thinking about how we're making things so that's where i got inspired uh, and that's why i studied um, engineering i wanted to learn how the world works from a, a very technical perspective and then i also decided to study engineering management which is like an mba for nerds <laughs> that's what i call it <laughs> um, but it allowed me to basically really you gave me the ability to study this problem at the intersection of technology and business so that we can make sure that we're able to bring the right technologies forward and get them integrated into the market, get them integrated into supply chains. And, and that's really what I've built my career around is helping transform supply chains so that we can get more sustainable materials into the system. Over the last 10 years or so, there must have been kind of such sort of change and, and kind of exponential growth of interest in this sector. You know, it's something that suddenly kind of everyone is talking about. But can you tell us a bit about how that's sort of been over the course of your career? And have you noticed that people are now very interested in it? And how has that kind of transition been for you? Oh, a big change. And I'm, I'm very grateful to see it. So early in my career, it felt like I was pushing a rope. You know, I was really trying to help people see the importance of designing with the end of mind, help people see the the issues we have with recycling in the U.S. and help try to get these um, suppliers in the packaging supply chain to try new materials, to bring new materials on their lines. And it was a challenge because um, the industry is very risk averse and there wasn't a lot of understanding about the impact of the current materials. 
But what we've seen in the last, I would say, three years is a major sea change, if you will, because of the awareness and the growing awareness around plastics in the ocean. People are really impacted like viscerally. It's a heartbreaking realization and it's a symptom of this greater issues that we have in our supply chain. And so we're seeing a lot of brands take notice. The largest brands in the U.S. are discussing this at the C-level suite. And so it has changed a lot. And we're very excited about that because in the world of sustainable packaging innovation, this is an all hands on deck thing. We need to work on this all together. And the brands are the ones that are really the drivers of the change because they're the ones that are going to influence what the packaging supply chain is going to invest in and is going to move forward. So we're really excited to see more companies looking for solutions, requesting additional information, and really seeking sustainability as a, as a core aspect of their business. That's amazing. And, and it's great really to hear that, you know, there is kind of finally, I'm sure, a much kind of long-awaited interest in sustainable packaging and a kind of a real noise that's developing around this space, really, which, which is amazing. And, and you're doing great work leading that movement. Speaking of which, as we mentioned at the beginning, you're the president of your own company, RCG Packaging Innovation. Can you tell us a bit about how you got to this space and how how the company kind of came about? Yeah, absolutely. Where we are in the space is we're really about innovation and helping create conditions for innovation in the right direction. We do a lot of work throughout the supply chain, but we have a bit of a push and pull strategy. So on one side, we're helping brands connect with the leading sustainable technologies available to them. And we do that really by focused first and foremost on performance because packaging has to protect the product and the efficacy of the ingredients. And so we we build our work around that. And we also need to make sure that the packaging works well with their existing manufacturing equipment. So we do a lot of work to help brands identify what options are available from a sustainable packaging um, lens. But there's some challenges there because brands don't have a tremendous amount of options. And that's something that is not okay. Brands should have more options. They should have better sustainable options in packaging. And that's why The other half of our business is really about pulling through and helping new technologies get into the market. So on the other side of our business, we do a lot of work with product development and commercialization of new sustainable materials. And I know that kind of one way you guys have been working on driving innovation for sustainable packaging is through your Redefining Flexible Films Innovation Workshop, which sounds absolutely fascinating. This has been an industry collaboration project that's taken over 10 months. You've worked with brands like Ben & Jerry's, Mars, PepsiCo, Whole Foods. Can you tell us more about this workshop? I'd love to hear kind of how you've made such industry collaboration possible. Oh, yeah. Well, funny story. I had that idea in 2018 when my brother got married in Scotland. Um, And so I I just wanted to throw that in there because I know that that's right in your, kind of in your neck of the woods. It's a lot closer (laughs) than it is here. (laughs) But the inspiration for that event was, you know, dealing with sustainable packaging innovation, watching how slow things are moving, and also understanding from a global perspective, we do not have a lot of time to fix some of the challenges that we're dealing with. Over 8 million tons of plastic entering the ocean every year, and it's just going to keep going up and up with, you know, plastic production is supposed to increase by three times in the next few decades. So 
we don't have a lot of time to fix these systemic issues. And I was feeling very much like things were moving too slow. And so I decided to do something outside the box and something that has never been done before. And I invited friends and stakeholders from across the packaging supply chain to participate in a large-scale design thinking innovation workshop. And so I basically was calling up all my friends from the resin compounding part of the system to people that do film extrusion, printing, converting brands. Uh, We had people from waste management and retail um, as as well as educators. And so we brought all the people together in this shared space. And we were working around the specific challenge of flexible films. So in the world of packaging, as as you know, there's many different types of packaging formats and there's rigids and and glass and and plastic. And there's also this whole class of materials called flexible films. And those are chip bags, granola bar wrappers, or, you know, if you have a sample pack of a protein powder, or if you're putting your little nutraceuticals in a sample pack, that's like a little pouch, that's all going to be considered flexible film packaging. Today, those types of materials or that type of packaging is made out of a PET laminated to aluminum, laminated to low density polyethylene. And while they're designed in a beautiful way, there's no real end of life solution for those materials, which means there's nobody on the back end that can recycle that and bring that back into the material input side of the things. And so we wanted to look at this problem head on because it is one of the most complex challenges in the world of sustainable packaging. And so we said, why don't we come together and we look at how can we solve this challenge? And we asked the group, how can we deliver products to our customers without generating waste in the process? And that's the question we used to drive the the discussion And that allowed for people to come together from all these different perspectives and begin to hammer on a solution together. It was a real big undertaking because when you have all these different people coming into the same space, you're dealing with people that are experts in their part of the system, but everybody's speaking a different language. And not everybody understands the big picture of this systemic challenge. So in parallel of doing a design thinking process, which you know you, you kind of step through your define, design, discover, demonstrate process, it's a very standard innovation process. So in parallel to walking the group through that, we decided to also establish and build a foundation of knowledge. So we had experts coming in throughout the workshop process over those 10 months. We had experts come in and talk about how flexible film packaging is made, what are the leading biopolymer technologies available, what are the conventional polymer technologies that are available. We had people talking about the challenges of recycling and composting. We had people talking about biomimicry as a really interesting process to think through future design. And it was really interesting to see how the group worked together and and came to their own understanding of the challenge. And one of the things they quickly realized was recycling is not a good option for this particular packaging format. And we really need to work together to jump to the next material innovation curve. We need to think about the new class of materials in order for us to to really be able to design packaging in a way that's not going to create 
waste in the process or end in a tremendous amount of waste. And so it was really a cool experience. And I really was excited to see how this group was able to work together. I'll just say that I've never seen this many companies come together willing to kind of step out of that competitive space and work together on a common problem. And what do you think was the secret to that? I mean, what made people want to sort of put this natural competition aside to work on the project? I think it's aligned values. They were all, and I think people are becoming hyper aware of the plastic pollution problem. And they are eager to understand the challenge and come up with the solutions for for future generations. So I would say we are just in a major time in the history of of humanity. And I feel that people are feeling that and they're putting their humanity first before the interests of their individual companies. Definitely. And I mean, it really shows kind of how significant this issue is for sure. And can you tell us a bit about some of the ideas that came out of the project? What were the the innovations that were discussed and, and planned and designed? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So there was 1,500 ideas that were generated. And some of those ideas were based around mapping out the landscape of challenges. So that was the first step. They mapped out the landscapes of challenges, and then they identified which of those areas they wanted to prioritize to design solutions around. Then they did a lot of ideation around solutions, and they prioritized their ideas based on the scale of the impact and also the timeline. Can we achieve this in two years, five years, and 10 years? And so that we actually published a a white paper that's available through our website that's a free resource for people to take a look at this collaborative process as well as has all the, the details of all the different ideas that were generated. Some of the leading ideas that came to be were this idea of we need the highest ideas that were prioritized to the top we had nine incubation teams form, and these were self-organized incubation teams, cross-functional, cross-organizational teams. Some of the groups were focused on crowdfunding, research and development of new compostable materials. And that's a project that's still moving forward with some major retailers in the US. So that's exciting. We also saw a group focused on policy and how do we create the right policy infrastructure to incentivize the development of these new solutions that we need. One of the ones that I really liked was looking for soil-centric design. So saying, what are the needs of nature? Uh, What are the needs of soil first? And can we design our packaging to help actually make soil healthier and more robust? And then from starting from that perspective, move backwards and think about the needs of packaging from a product protection standpoint as a secondary. So that was an interesting group. And then there's this final one that actually moving forward, doing some really cool things. They call themselves Flexure and it's a biomimicry approach. So they're looking at different inspirations from nature to see if we can mimic some of the functionality that already exists in nature and apply that to how we're manufacturing films. So one of the challenges of biomaterials and compostable materials is that many of them are hydrophilic, which means they'll absorb a little moisture and that can change their properties a bit. 
And there's some challenges around moisture vapor barrier. So these biomaterials, that's a, one of the main focuses of how can we increase the moisture vapor barrier with these biomaterials. And so that team is looking to nature and saying, okay, can we find interesting insights from a way that a cactus manages moisture or interesting insights from a way that an egg manages moisture? And so we'll be dissecting that at a micro level and and seeing how we could apply that in packaging manufacturing. It certainly sounds like a very busy and productive 10 months for sure. What's the sort of future of the project? What's next? Are these incubations carrying on? Yeah, so half of the teams are carrying on, which is great. So the policy group is going strong. The crowdfunding group's going strong. So these will be moving forward and there's going to be some more interactions with different groups across the industry in the next, I would say, Q2, Q3 of this year. So for example, that Flexures team is going to do a series of um, webinars called Biomimicry Bytes, uh, where they'll be sharing some of their learnings with the industry, and that will be a free resource available. And they're going to be pushing their work all the way to prototype and commercialization if the prototyping goes well. So yeah, we're going to, I'm really happy to see that some of the work that we did over the course of the 10 months of last year is is translating into real solutions in the real world. Definitely, really exciting stuff. So maybe let's take it back a bit for a moment. You know, you and your team are obviously doing great and amazing work making sustainable packaging the norm, but can you tell us just at a real baseline, and I'm sure we've covered bits of this already, but why is sustainable packaging something that nutraceutical brands, consumers, and manufacturers should care about? Yeah, no, that's a great question. There's a few reasons there. One is we need to work together to create the right conditions for innovation to get these new sustainable solutions to pull through. And brands and consumers are really the drivers there. So it's really important for brands and consumers to really understand the impact of the current packaging materials and what is possible so that they can begin to put pressure on manufacturers to invest in new innovations and to begin to shift. So one of issue, of course, is, is plastic pollution and the fact that conventional plastics, while they're beautifully engineered material, they were never designed with the end in mind. And it's not a good fit at all for single-use packaging applications. And it just doesn't make sense to keep putting this material into the system that has nowhere to go. And so we got to look at that. And there's also another issue around toxicity. There's a lot of reports that are coming out. While this has been something that's been studied for decades, there are toxins in plastic production that are leaking into our systems, our human systems, and having major impacts on health, including human fertility. And so a powerful opportunity is for brands and consumers to to level up their knowledge about the realities of the materials that are interacting with every day, the materials that we're using to package our products, and make sure that we're up to date to of the negative impacts of, of that particular type of packaging and ask ourselves, what is the opportunity here? How can we work together to to bring forward solutions that will serve the next generation? And I know as as a human species, we are incredibly brilliant when we focus our energy and tension on the right parts of the problem. And we will be able to make packaging materials that can protect our products, 
but won't wreak havoc in natural systems if and when they escape our system. So I think we all have an important role to help transform into a, a new way of being here around sustainable packaging. Definitely, for sure. So kind of in this way, really, a lot of the work that you do is advising brands who are attempting to make their packaging more sustainable. What kind of things should these brands who are trying to be more sustainable and listening to that consumer demand, what should they consider? Yeah, so first and foremost, consider protecting the efficacy of your ingredients. And so especially in the nutraceutical space or when we're providing ingredients that have sensitivities we need to lead with that first. And so you want to make sure that you're having the right oxygen barrier, moisture barrier, and UV protection to your product based on your specific needs. So starting there is important. And then understanding the weight of it, because weight translates directly to CO2 produced due to transportation. So lightweight options are definitely preferred. And we want to make sure that we're thinking of packaging in a very efficient, lightweight manner. And then also end of life. How can we design something that is going to either be fully recycled or fully composted? And um, that's the stick that we measure things against. But then there's also a whole nother world that I'm very excited about of reuse. And so I don't want to exclude that because I think that that is a, a really important space. But for single use type of packages that are very similar to what we're seeing on the market today. We want to think of things in terms of being fully compostable or fully recyclable. Those would be the top three things I would say for a brand to be aware of. That's oh, actually, great. I'm going to throw in toxicity too. <laughs> I know it's mm-hmm. a, there's a, sorry, I'll throw this in here one more time. Go for um, it. There's um, a great resource called the Food Packaging Forum, and I would encourage brands to take a look at that. Amazing. And it's, it's good to know, really. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these things aren't simple for brands, but, you know, it's good to know that there are kind of, you know, straightforward and obvious ways in which they can take that kind of first step forward in, in becoming more sustainable. What other advice would you give to kind of the brand owners listening who want to be more environmentally friendly in their packaging? You know, I think that there is big opportunity, and I'm, I'll speak mainly from the U.S. perspective, but there's a huge opportunity for brands to help in creating the right policy. For example, in the US, unfortunately, we don't have an overarching policy around material management, waste management. It's very much localized and it becomes a challenge. So I really applaud the EU for all the work that you have done to kind of streamline some of those processes. But we don't have that in the US. And one of the challenges we have is that recycling is not working. And while people are doing a lot of collection and there's a lot of energy into collecting materials and sorting materials, it's actually not translating into those materials entering the market and becoming new things. And so one of the things that we've worked on, we just actually released an open letter to the CPG industry to take a look at the way that we're defining recyclable in the FTC. The FTC is the Federal Trade Commission, and it's the federal body that basically dictates what claims brands can make on their packaging. So I'm sure there's a parallel type body in the European Union. So the Federal Trade Commission is defining recyclable such that 60% of households have to have access to collection of that material for that material to be deemed recyclable. And what that leaves out of the equation is that 
well, we're collecting, we're sorting, but we're watching, we're just seeing those bales sit there. No one's buying that material. There's no end markets existing. And so we, we want to further extend the definition of recyclable to be that, you know, 60% of the materials entering the system must have an existing end market for those materials to be deemed recyclable. And we think that will really help solve a mass balance challenge that we need to address as uh, as a species in the way that we think about materials. So we want to make sure that there's enough end markets existing that account for the materials entering the system. And we also want to exclude waste to energy from that definition as well, just so that we're, we're really thinking about materials in, materials out in, in new way of defining recyclable. That's great. And, and I guess in a lot of what we're talking about there and, and throughout this podcast, there is this idea perhaps of a kind of technology gap, that there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of drive and demand for sustainable solutions. But sometimes there's a need to kind of put pressure on manufacturers and kind of technology drivers to ensure that we have those kind of innovative solutions there that can meet this demand. But I think kind of nonetheless, there are lots of interesting innovative solutions in sustainable packaging coming to market for nutraceutical brands. I'd love to hear kind of some of the latest innovations that have been going on at the moment. Yeah. So there's a lot of really incredible things happening. I'm more on the biomaterial compostable side because I think of things in terms of Uh, the future platform materials, but we have great composite materials that have high barrier. They work on standard vertical form fill, horizontal form fill equipment, heat sealable, Um, and they're designed uh, with wood cellulose and specialty biopolymers. And and so there's an incredible innovations that are happening in the world of compostable flexible films. There's also some interesting um, work that's happening in pressed fiber And that can be a really cool way to display products for the e-commerce space in a lightweight way and actually not create too much uh, havoc on the environment. I would say also there are some options for fully recyclable, flexible films, of course. So there's the high-density, low-density polyethylene pouches that are available on the market today. That's something that the U.S. has been building and promoting So those are the real options for the flexible film side. I would say with rigids, there's some challenges on the rigid side, and those are like your your bottles, whether they're glass or plastic. Glass is a great material because it's inert. Um, It doesn't, will will not have any leaching, but it is heavy. And so a lot of brands that are doing e-commerce really have to weigh out that pun intended, of, mm-hmm. you know, are they, you know, the, the cost to the environment from the CO2 standpoint. Um, but there's some interesting work that's happening with compounding specialty biopolymers as well for injection molding and blow film molding, um, blow molding. So there are some cool things happening on, on the forefront. We actually develop a great polymer that is combining just biopolymers and hemp fibers. And so we're working with combining polymers and fiber fillers to really improve the performance as well as um, help reduce price on a per pound basis. So cool things happening on on the biopolymer front. Definitely. So, so many interesting things happening. And I mean, listening to you speak here, it makes me feel very excited about the future of sustainable packaging and kind of comforted really that there's going to be and and there already are so many great solutions to the problem of, of waste. Would you say you're kind of optimistic about the future of sustainable packaging yourself? Yeah, no, I'm I'm seeing 
things trend in the right direction. And I'm really excited to see that people, I, I mean, I get LinkedIn emails all the time and people from from all over the supply chain, even people outside of the packaging industry that are very excited about the future and, and innovation in this space. Because I think the general consumers, they want better options. They're sick of seeing plastic pass through their hands, knowing the realities of that classic material family. And so we're seeing really cool things happen. I'm very positive about it. And I would say that it's just really important that we're, we, we stay vigilant about creating conditions in our markets and in our policies that are going to support innovation in the right direction. Because the biopolymers and compostable materials of today, these are really early stage technologies. They're not perfect. We need more energy and intention and focus to take these materials to where they need to be in this whole this whole class of materials to where it needs to be. And so we just need to be mindful of the policies and our, our market dynamics that are in place and ask ourselves, is this going to create a condition where, where more innovation is going to happen and we're going to get better options for our brands and our consumers? Well, I think that's a, a really great thought to end on, Raina. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I hope everyone listening has found it just as insightful as, as I have. And I'd like to also remind listeners that if they would like to learn more about the future of packaging in the nutraceutical industry, register for Vita Foods Insights Virtual Expo 10th to 13th of May, where we'll be running sessions focused on packaging developments in the EU and APAC, respectively. But that's all for now. And thanks again, Raina, so much and see you all soon. Mm-hmm.